AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. And they were believing in the vision. And for me, it was authenticity. This is a real story that's been hidden from us, which is effed up. Like our history in America, what we're taught is that it begins with enslavement. And there is so much more. And now we get to give us that more. And so it was it was that. Let's give this story the bigness it deserves. Gina Prince-Bythewood is on this edition of Naked. Enjoy, y'all. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world we're vulnerable, considered weak. Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. 
So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment. Connect it with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. Got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connect it with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Naked. I'm excited about today's guest, uh, not only because she is a Bruin, but I will say that often. How annoying is that, right? Like when people go to a certain university, they often have to claim every single famous person from the university. That's annoying. And that's what I'm doing right now. So so bear with me. Uh, Gina Prince-Bythewood, film director, screenwriter. She is my soul sister in more ways than one. She is dedicated to excellence. She is arguably responsible for some of my favorite childhood, young adulthood memories and films. And after talking to her today, uh, she really helped me put my career in a different trajectory in terms of how I think about what I should be doing as a person with a platform in this space. So you all know Love and Basketball. Uh, no, you may not. But if you don't watch it, okay, I forget we have this younger generation listening. Love and Basketball was Sonalate then to me basically jump-started her career. She had done Best Man, Tanah Lathan had. But I feel like that film, Love and Basketball, showed us who she was as an actor. And in, since, she's had a, an amazing career. But it was Gina who casted her in that film. And Gina explains about their relationship and how they sometimes would bump heads. But more importantly, what she talked about for me, and especially for anyone who wants to create, it's about creating harmony before you can actually build anything. That should work in any industry. That should work if you are a coach. That should work if you are a reporter, if you are a filmmaker. Any industry in which you are an artist, when you are putting something that you love out there for others to view, it is important to create harmony, to be so detailed with what you want, but more specifically, be dedicated to excellence and and make people buy into whatever dream that you are selling because you believe in it. Um, She talks about being this creative that is so passionate and so dedicated to telling the story of Black women. Oof, that is a word. Dedicated to to celebrating us when society oftentimes does not want to celebrate us. If you look at all of her films, a woman is always the lead in a very special way. But more specifically, it's usually, it's usually a woman of color. Her latest film, Woman King, is in theaters, we have to watch. We have to support her. We have to. Obviously, it stars Viola Davis, but it tells a true story. It's based on a true story of of women warriors. And everything that oftentimes we are told not to be, this film celebrates. So I am looking forward to it. I need you to sit back, relax, and enjoy Gina Prince-Bythewood as she explains what it takes to be a beautiful uh, inside-and-out creator, filmmaker, and some of our favorite projects like Love and Basketball. Gina, obviously your work is amazing. And oftentimes, here's what's interesting. Oftentimes in our world, we don't know who is behind the scenes. And as a director, as a writer, you have been able to do so many amazing projects. When did you realize people were solely interested in who you were, not necessarily the actors that you casted in your films. Wow. You know what? I think it was Ogard 
old guard? That was yesterday. What do you? What about loving basketball? Loving basketball? That's a cult classic. That's 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 life. Is that just for the culture? Uh, no, nah, but which I love though. They love Sana, like which is beautiful to have that character be an ideal, you know, who was based on me, who I was never an ideal in high school, you know. Um, so I love that she is at the forefront of what that film represents for so many people. Okay, so I'll put a pin in old guard. You guys have to watch it. But let's go to Love and Basketball. You're right, Sana, um, that really did set her trajectory in terms of being an actress. And something that's near and dear to my heart is is, is sports. Uh, and it, and from my understanding, it's loosely based on your life, or if not all based on your life. Is that true? I'd say it's half autobiographical. Tell me what part is. When you started to write it, Where what was similar? Like, tell me the characters that were similar or the situation that was similar to who you are. Mm-hmm. Monica. Uh pull out and relationship with my mom and my dad. My dad was my biggest fan at every game. Um, My mom didn't quite get it. And that's, but I will say this, doing the movie absolutely helped me let go of so much and understand where she was coming from. Alfrey helped me with that as well. Um, And just talking to me, trying to connect with the character. And me being able to talk about my mom and start to realize all the amazing things about my mom. Um, so, but yeah, who Monica is was how she behaved on the court. Yeah, what she was fighting for, what she wanted. That was that was me pouring pouring it all in. Where'd you go to high school at? Pacific Grove High School, the Breakers. Okay, and and what was your position? Point guard, PG? Point guard. Come on now. Point okay, guard. okay. So it was down to the T. You will have the ball in your hands. Your uh, uh, So the love interest, was that someone in real life or you added that because you got to have a love interest? Yeah, I added that. Though the kiss, the kiss is kids. That was based on my first kiss, which we counted on our fingers. I did 10 seconds. I was a little faster than Monica. <laughs> <laughs> When you were writing that, and, and, and the research, according to my research, you had to develop the script at a writing lab. Is that is that true? Well, I spent a year and a half writing it, and um, with great help from Reggie Rock, my husband, um, and then I went out with it, and every single person turned it down. Every studio, every production company turned it down, and I thought it was dead. Like I just spent a year and a half of my life wasted. And then the Sundance Lab happened to hear about the script and called and asked to read it and then asked me to come in to talk about it. And that absolutely changed the trajectory of that story, that script in my life. Tell me how that works. Everyone said no. And, and then through the business, through networking, the Sundance Lab says this seems like it could be something special. You, you take it there and do what? It's amazing. It's an amazing program. You get mentors. So I had Scott Frank who is an incredible writer. Kathy Bates was one of my mentors, Paula Tenascio. Um, So these great writers and actors who talk to you about your work, they're not supposed to really give you notes, but in talking with them and getting some of their expertise, you start to figure out things about your script and how to improve it. And then the biggest thing that they do is they put a reading on and they put a reading on of Love and Basketball. And that's where 
and they help you cast it and they invite the industry. And Spike Lee's company was there that night. And uh, they heard it and came up to me and said, we want this. And that was amazing. And then that was all she wrote? Because this sounds very fairy tale. It sounds like, I know it didn't happen that way in real life. I know there was much more work put into it. It, it seems like, oh, they said no. I went somewhere. They said yes. Spike Lee was like, give it to me. I know it wasn't that simple. Yeah. <laughs> that whole, <laughs> to get to that point was a lot of tears. Um, a lot of like, fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's a story that was so clear in my head. Um, like that's soul crushing to put yourself so deeply into something and to have a whole industry say, I don't get it. I don't care. We don't want it. Um, Sundance, they look for voices that are different or unique than what Hollywood is putting out. So that was, that was the benefit that they heard about the story. And the thing is, the industry recognized it was good writing, it was a good script, but they didn't see the value in it. They didn't see the value in those characters. And that's what's so tough to to be told that. So you say they don't see the value. Is it because the characters were Black and they didn't yeah. understand if people would relate to the Black characters? 100%. Absolutely. So then when it is, in your mind... Was Love and Basketball a success? In my mind, it was a success. In your mind, was it a success? Absolutely. Yeah. One, that it even got made. Uh, but two, yeah, it, it had a good life at the uh, when it was in theaters. And that was back in the day when we had VHS, when that came out. It found a whole nother life, you know, after theaters. And then it just kept growing, which is like, I'll never get over that. I'll never get over that people still watch the film today. It is. I think of films like Love and Basketball. I think of um, The Best Man, you know. I think of... Love Jones. Love Jones. I think, where are those type of films now? I feel like the culture, I feel like the community, those are true love stories. And to me, it could have been any character. It just so happens that they were Black. Um, And I feel as if they they don't greenlight those projects anymore. So if you're telling me back in the day, they all told you no. Could you imagine what people are trying to put out now that is similar? I can even imagine people paying attention. Yeah, I I was asked the other day, do I think Love and Basketball would be made today? It might have been made on Netflix, but studios, mm. they, have, they have just shrunk and it's all about IP and remakes and sequels. It's really tough to do something original in the theatrical marketplace right now. Is it tough to do something based around Black characters in the theatrical marketplace right now? That's what I, I mean, uh, yeah, making films about black women are the hardest films to get made. Bar none. And that's, that's, I mean, let me tell you something. You, you put out the best stories about black women and, and you're relentless about it, but it gives me hope and I am encouraged. So when you have this vision, as you have had, and this calling has been placed on your life, you go out to the marketplace to give us what we need, us, me being a black woman. Do you get discouraged? Absolutely. But I write what I want to see. And so, and I only write what I'm passionate about. And that is what fuels me and fuels the fight. Because it's always going to be a fight. And you would be shocked at what people say to your face in a room. So, yes. Oh, that, you know, let's not cast the male lead black. 
because then you've got two black leads and that's going to shrink the box office. And, you know, there's too many black people in this, in this script. I mean, it's, it's insane or diminishing the black character in the script to make her less than the white lead. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. And to have a front row seat to that, that fuels the fight, that anger, or I'll call it rage. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Um, It is, yeah, it's being in a sustained, sustained fight for the last 20 years, but there's so few of us that, that we have to, we have to fight. The few of us that are out there, we have to fight. There's no choice, Mm-mm. especially when it's the calling and the passion that you feel. We have no other choice. We can't help but to do just that. You know what I mean? You wish you could turn it off and it would be easier, but you can't. When did you know that as a, and I don't know, Everyone sometimes knows, but some people get a calling when they're seven or eight. They just know, the knowers. When Mm -hmm. did you know this is what you wanted to do? Mm -hmm. In high school, even though I'd been writing short stories my whole life, like ever since I was maybe five or six, in high school, I was addicted to soap operas. (laughs) (laughs) All my children, General Hospital. I was was the NBC. I was Days of Our Lives, Another World, um, Santa Barbara. Uh, <laughs> Robin writing it. I mean, come on. Um, so, and then I read an article in Soap Opera Digest. That's how bad it was um, about a soap opera, <laughs> and I saw that how much they got paid. I was like, oh, like someone gets paid to do that. And it was at that moment that I said, okay, I'm I'm a writer, and that's what I want to pursue, and that's what took me to UCLA, and initially making the decision, which was really hard because I was recruited to play ball at, at other places, but not UCLA. And to make that decision that this is what I'm going to do instead of that was really tough. But I felt that strongly that I'm supposed to be a writer. And then getting there and starting to work on student films, I never knew what a director was or did. And suddenly it was like that. I'm a director. Just being in that environment and that, yeah, changed everything. Side note. Every genius that I know went to UCLA, so I'd really? like to just talk to my fellow Bruin, and I just want to say we're arguably the dopest Black alumni there when it comes to women that did not play sports, and I'm so proud of us, Gina, <laughs> giving us our love, but you know, um, I do have a question. Yeah, I did run track there, though. Yeah, you did. did? You did run track at UCLA? Yeah, because I, I got there, and it was like a whole... Because my whole life I played sports. Yeah. Uh, so it was like a limb was missing. Um, and so I, I talked to Bobby Kersey, who was a coach at that time, yep. and uh, and joined track and triple jumped until I got into film school. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Oh, I don't even know if I, I mean, that probably wasn't even well known. Okay. So listen, it's your love for sports seems extremely as equally as passionate as your love for being a director. What schools did you decide not to go to to play basketball in order to go and pursue your film career at UCLA? Yeah, there were three, Long Beach State, um, Pomona, and uh, Columbia. Columbia was wow. Cool. Um, wow. Yeah. Hey, so, oh, Gina, you went to Sonoma State, sorry. You went to what state? Oh, and also Sonoma State. Was another. Okay. Wow. I, I, I had no idea. Do you go back in, to UCLA games at all? Do you Are you a Bruin fan of basketball, football, track, still? I'm no, not so to my kids. First of all, their bedrooms, ever since they were babies, 
UCLA stuff everywhere, all their clothes, <laughs> UCLA, watching the games, I'm screaming. Like, it is a guttural thing with me. And I know your son is playing baseball at UCLA, right? So hyped. I'm yeah, like, I, 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 you know, I went stalking. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is it's this real, real love. Okay, I love it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt that that, that ended up happening is incredible. Incredible. Okay. So we do love in basketball, and it is, from my understanding on the outside looking in, a true success. What's next for you after you do that? Or is the next project even more difficult to come by since the first? Well, right after Love and Basketball, I did Disappearing X, um, which was my favorite book. And I had tried to get that gig prior to Love and Basketball. Couldn't even get in the room. Um, then Love and Basketball hit, and then I got in the room. And... Um, Got that. Got to work with Sana again, which was beautiful because we, you know, after starting like this, which we joke about now, we became great friends and collaborators and we wanted to work together again. And and so that was an easy, yeah, let's do this next thing together. Needless, in my opinion, and I don't know because I'm not, again, I'm talking to you as someone who is not entertainment expert, but I, I would say you launched her career. Would she disagree? <laughs> I say it all the time. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, um, she was in Best Man, but yeah, certainly Monica took her to another level. Um, and she earned it, man. She's the dopest. She's so good. Next level acting, Yale Drama School, but also her work ethic that she displayed in, in, you know, she'd never touched a ball before. And our conflict <laughs> really came because I had said I was never going to cast someone who couldn't play ball in love and basketball. Never. I'd never do that to female athletes. But she was so good performance-wise um, that I gave her a shot and put her with a trainer to see if we could get her to a certain place. But it was tough on her because I was hard. Because I'm expecting her to be as good as me after like three, four months. And of course she's not. And she felt that pressure. And it was my first thing. I was like, you can't fuck this up. It was my first movie. So it was it was me learning certainly to be a better director. I'm supposed to inspire, not freak somebody out, you know? Um, and once we got to that place and I started to recognize what she was giving me in that film, in her performance, it really started to, to thaw everything. And it just became just mutual respect between the two of us. What you describe is something that is so precious to you that it's hard to give up any type of creative control to anybody else because you know what it looks like. You feel it. It is your life. I understand that. I, I breathe that. I live that. And for you in the middle of doing uh, your very first work to realize that and self-correct is something I wouldn't, I couldn't say that most young directors and writers would be able to know right away. I hear all the time about the collisions between actors and directors. I, I mean, I, it's, it gets uncomfortable on set. How do you, I mean, especially for someone who is listening, I have so many people I know who want to do exactly what you're doing. Jacqueline, mm -hmm. one of our editors, you just met exactly what you're doing. You're her hero. How do you, how do you evolve into the director you ultimately want to be? Because I find that so difficult. That working with people when you are creative has to be the most difficult thing. Collaborating together. Yeah, it's you listen, you learn. Um, you also have to have incredible swagger and belief 
in who you are and your vision because there's so many people in that process that are going to be trying to dent it. Um, surround yourself with people that believe in you and the vision. Don't ever hire people who are just doing it for a job. Um, mm-hmm. Hire good people. One person can poison the entire environment. I cast my crew the way I cast my cast. Like, who are you as a person? Because I, I love harmony. Um, and it's my job as a director to create the environment that everybody feels good and inspired and safe. Um, and so it, it starts there and just, again, learn. Alfre Woodard <laughs> gave me such an incredible lesson um, about director-actor relationship when we were rehearsing and she rehearsed the scene and it wasn't good. And she asked me how she was and I was intimidated. It's Alfre Woodard. And I said, oh, that was great. And she looked at me, she said, no, it wasn't. Now I can't mm. trust you. And that crushed me. But it wasn't, it was great. It was a great thing. I've never lied to an actor after that. And she and I are great. So it was, it, she could have dismissed me, but she taught me in that moment. And I built back that trust with her. Um, so yeah, just create an environment that your actors can trust you. Never break that trust. Never break that trust with your crew. When you say you you cast your crew like you cast your cast, what does that look like? You're like, I need the the director of photography to be this person. I need the the sound person. Like you're that you're into the weeds like that. Oh, I talk transportation. Who's who's going to be in charge of? telling what drivers are driving my cast. Like you would think that's not a big deal. That's a huge deal because that car ride on the way there or back is your sacred private space. And I've heard, you know, horror stories. Um, So yeah, I want people who are passionate about the story we're telling. I want people, I look beyond the resume um, because absolutely for women, people of color, our resumes are not as extensive and it's not because of talent. It's because of a lack of opportunity. And so you have to look beyond the resume. What are you going to bring to this that no one else can bring? I think about the woman King, which I just did my production designer, Akeem McKenzie. He didn't have anything close to the sides of this film on there, but my God, our, our interview, the connection to the material and telling the story was so guttural it was inspiring. And I, I was like, I want him on this journey with me. Um, my editor, Terry, who ride or die, she's been there since love and basketball. Like I want somebody who will, I can't say outwork me cause you're not going to outwork me, but she's right there with me, believing in it and uh, fighting for it with me. I need people in the fight. I need that type of mentality. You will give me everything. You'll fight for me, fight for the vision. I use fight a lot, but that is this industry. <laughs> like you're constantly fighting. But, and I need good people. I've dealt with shitty people and it's soul crushing. I don't ever want the energy anywhere near me. So you've got to be a good person too. When you are as a director, do you always have that control? Because I could imagine you've been on projects where you didn't have the control to hire the entire crew or cast. No, that's, that's your job. As a director, there um, you all get, of, yeah. No one, they, they don't. They don't like. They oh, you got to put this actor in it. No one from Hollywood is saying, oh, you have to put this actor in it. With casting, it's happened to me twice, where I wanted to cast somebody, 
and uh, and it didn't. The studio really wanted somebody else because they were a bigger star. Now, in both cases, it it worked out. In one case, it was my second choice, and it ended up fine. But I hate that. It's it's my job. I have to get the performance out of the actor. If I believe that this is a person that's going to embody that character in the best way, like trust the director. Um, you can't. You can, but it's not good to cast based on social media, which is something Hollywood is starting to do, like looking how many people, how many followers do they have? Well, let's cast that person. You can see movies that flop that had somebody with a million followers. Like it, it, it should be performance first. Um, things that are so basic, you know, but, but Hollywood's a bit twisted. Yeah. So, that, yeah. Yeah. But it's my job. Yeah, absolutely. To, to pick every single Across person. Okay, I love that. Then when I want to go to, and you've had, we go, we're going down a list of, of movies. You've had so many successes. You mentioned in Disappearing Act. After Disappearing Act, what did you what did you do? Was it Secret Life of Me? Secret Life of Me's. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. And then how was that experience, Secret Life of Me's? Yeah, that was dope because, yeah, Latifah, Alicia, Jennifer. I mean, it was just everybody. It was crazy. It was I just remember, like, everyone was so tight on that. It be, and Dakota, Dakota, she was 13. Her talent was surreal, like, uh-huh. literally surreal. And it was it was a true, like, sisterhood. I hadn't been on something like that where the actors were so bonded together. And I just, I'll never forget, uh, Alicia had to fly out for one day, leave set, fly out to sing at the Super Bowl. And all of us, we put it up on the monitors and everybody, the entire crew and all the cast just huddled around the monitor watching Alicia mm-hmm. sing. At, and then she came back, you know. Um, that was also when As I Am just came out, which is just the album. Uh, so to have her sing, no one just randomly on set. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. On the other side of the break, we talked to Gina about what is going to be my favorite film. That's the Woman King with Viola Davis. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. AT and T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT and T. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. 
I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You said to me earlier that you felt people start to pay attention to you with old guard. Now, that is interesting to me because it was not a theatrical release. It is something that I watched on Netflix and I watch often. And so that is telling to me of where we are in this industry. Every actor I inter- I, I've interviewed, I had Michael Ely on the other day and he said, you know, everything is Netflix, TVs, movies. I, you know, I want to be in movies. Movies are not a thing anymore. It's, it's these specials. How do you feel about the way the business is going? Like theatrical release is not necessarily a big thing anymore. Do you feel like with certain movies, they must be experienced in the theater? Yeah, I feel that honestly about any movie. I love mm-hmm. sitting in the theater. There's something about that collective experience 
with others where you're laughing together, you're crying together, you're feeling together. The way that when you're in a theater, the lights go down and suddenly you get lost, you get enveloped by it. That's an amazing thing and the bigness of it. So, you know, Beyond the Lights was 7 million. Old Guard was 70. Like, but I feel the same about both. I want both of those. The beauty of Netflix, certainly, and, and what I didn't realize going in, the feeling of having a movie drop in 190 countries on the same day that mm. I've never been global before. I had my entire career was told that my, my films don't travel overseas. Black films don't travel overseas. So to have that and experience that was pretty incredible. Um, but I'm so ecstatic that The Woman King is in theaters. Okay. It is a big, epic film, and I want us 40 feet high. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, let me calm down. Let me roll up my sleeves because I'm not... Okay, because I'm ready. You dropped that trailer, Buddha, and I was like, let's go. Like, I'm hyped. That movie, I'm I'm literally looking. At, I'm going to Viola's page. I went back to your page. I'm and I'm down. I'm involved in all the rest of the warriors. I don't even know their names. I'm trying to find them. I'm looking on their page. I'm looking at the woman who was doing the workouts, who was training them. I was that like, is that bad? No, no, and bad in a good way. Yeah. I literally was like, this is about to be the best thing that I've ever seen. So talk to me about the Woman King. How this project came about how you decided Viola must be the one. Well, Viola came with the project. It was a package deal. So that was, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, even before I read the script, I was like, damn, I, I get a chance possibly to work with Viola. Viola is the way I feel about Serena and Beyonce. Mm. Greatness. Like I, I don't mm -hmm. use the word great very often. I save it for who deserves it. And those are the three that, that, are great. And so the opportunity to be in that type of orbit, to touch and see what greatness feels like. Um, and then I read the script and I knew within five pages, like I was seeing myself. Um, and not only that, the thought of, I could put these women up on screen. These are not superheroes. These were real women who did this. Um, and I just think about the normalcy of my life being an athlete and what that means and everything that means of being loud and aggressive and just stamina and the mentality of wanting to be the best, like all those things that you're taught as an athlete that so many women aren't taught um, to be able to put women up on screen that then they can be inspired by and say, I've got that innate warrior in me as well like that. I couldn't turn that down. I, I, and I'm glad that you did not. It was it was perfect. So they you came with Viola. My you know you look Viola can do no wrong. You know that. So you begin this process. You you get the actors. You get the cast the way in which you want it, and you envision. You have a vision of what it looks like. Yeah. I have no concept of how you take that vision right here and put it and put it on paper and or it's already on paper and then put it in, in into action. How do you go about that process? I mean, it's, it's a lot. It is. But when I was reading it, I started to see it. I knew what I wanted it to be. This phrase came up immediately, intimately epic. I wanted mm. to, to be connected with these characters and these stunning relationships that move throughout this film. And yet it's telling such a big story about us. And so in starting there, I started to realize how I wanted to shoot it. I knew cast wise, I knew 
pretty early on, I needed to have Lashana Lynch. Had to. Uh, needed John Boyega. Um, like just people, actors that embodied not only, not only are they dope actors, but what they want to put into the world. Like everybody saw John's amazing video that went viral, imploring black men to protect black women. That's mm. the end he brought to set and to mm. this movie. That's why he wanted to do it. Lashana and her whole man, like she's just such a dope human and, and what she believes as a black woman needs to be in the world, what she's going to put her talents to Viola, of course, but across the board too. So, um, and Sheila and Adrian Warren. I mean, it's just women who wanted to tell this story. Their ancestors wanted to be in a safe space where they could suddenly be themselves, not have to hide any aspect of themselves that you often have to do on sets or in a, in a role or on a movie. This was us. This was our playground, you know, so everybody brought that. And so for me, and they were believing in the vision. And for me, it was authenticity. This is a real story that's been hidden from us, which is effed up. Like our history in America, what we're taught is that it begins with enslavement. And there is so much more. And now we get to give us that more. Um, and so it was, it was that let's give this story the bigness it deserves. Okay. So wait, I just had a thought and help me, help me process this because I want to go back to telling our stories in a simple love story and how Hollywood, the industry would say, okay, I don't necessarily think this is going to be a success. Too many (laughs) black characters. We don't need a black lead. But here we have, and, and while maybe love and basketball couldn't be done today in the theater, you said it could be a Netflix movie. Here we have The Woman King, which is also telling our stories, right? Mm-hmm. Could that story have been told when Love and Basketball was yeah. in the theaters? No. Yeah. Black, Panther, Black Panther changed the game. Um, right. It, it broke a dam. It was seismic and showed, even though we all knew it, like we always have to keep proving ourselves over and over and over uh, that people want to see us uh, up on screen. But Black Panther, that billion dollars made others say, okay, maybe there's an audience here for this. Maybe other audiences could look up on screen and it doesn't matter that the characters are black, they can identify with them. In the same way that we go and watch like The Notebook, like, I love that movie. I identify with those characters. Or Slumdog Millionaire, one of my favorite movies. I, I identify with those characters. So, But for some reason, Hollywood can't twist it for us. Uh, but Black Panther changed that. Okay. So give us the story of The Woman King uh, by way of background. You, based on a true story, which most of us do not know because we do not know this because we're not taught this. And you're right. It does begin with enslavement. That's our, that's our history lesson, right? Begin there. Tell everyone about the woman king. Yeah, this was a, it's about a group of women um, who were warriors within their kingdom. And it was their job to protect the kingdom, protect the people. And, um, and it was a society that was the only society in all of Africa where women had an equal voice in the government and in society. Um, So with the council, uh, for every man, there was a woman in the equal position. These Agoji women 
uh, were respected, had say, could earn money, um, had a voice. It was just different. And, but not only that, the beauty of their sisterhood. These are women who lived together, fought together, died together. Um, what does that mean? What does that feel like to be able to see women living like that, behaving like that? That was a pretty stunning thing that permeated offset. That was a dope thing for me. The connection <laughs> these sisters had that they brought to the screen. Like that's what you want as a director to to create that type of environment that then I can feel you put up on screen and then an audience can feel. You, it's a, it, it sounds like an alternate universe where, you know, <laughs> it, it, no, seriously, you're like, does that exist? You know, especially in the day and age, which we live in Roe versus Wade being reversed, right? Is that's an alternate universe. That's what it sounds like. And, and the fact that it's based off of a true story is very, um, I, I mean, in every single way, it sounds very inspiring because you said something earlier where the women are allowed to be themselves. In every, in every aspect, because oftentimes we're told, especially as black women, to turn down in certain areas. Oh my turn God. your voice down, turn your spirit down, turn, turn your aggression down. And it seems that everything that we have been told not to be, it, because it's too much, right? Whatever too much is, in theory, is what <laughs> we're going to see in this film. Oh my it's God. Going to be celebrated. It is so celebrated. And it's, it's not only who they are and who they get to be with each other, but also these sisters were, they, they were legit warriors. Like they were the army that defended and yet they fought alongside men, but they were the primary defenders. They trained 24 seven. Um, and not only with, with fighting, but also with dancing. Dance was a huge part of their culture and they created these elaborate, choreographed dances before they were going to go to war to celebrate each other, celebrate the King. So we got to infuse our film with that, um, which was a lot on the actors. Like not only are you weight training and fight training and, but now you got to learn dance <laughs> as well. And, and I know you was like, that's you off by a beat. Count it, take it from the top. And <laughs> one, I can see you in there being like, girl, you missed a step. <laughs> You're right. I, Gina, don't play. I already know. Mm -hmm. I can't. But <laughs> I need actors that, that match that energy and they did like, they want to be great. And that type of energy across everybody wanting to be great. Like that's, that's what you want. And I don't know if you saw the training video that, that was put out of like, that's, that's just like that much of what they did. That was months, six days a week, um, doing that and just doing it because they wanted to be great. and. Because and I they looked amazing. They looked yeah. amazing. Yes. Amazing. I was like, Viola's arms. I was like, all right, Viola, you ready? Go ahead. No, Viola, we talked about her arms. Lashana, her back is glorious. Um, yes. Two so <laughs> with a six pack. Um, but that's the beauty of it. Also, they would celebrate each other in terms of their bodies and how often, you know, do we hear, oh, that looks mannish. Nah, this is beautiful and all these women are which was important just they all look different like these are not amazons is is you know western colonizers used to call these women they called them amazons now nah, it's like we want every type of body type represented you just have to be athletic but that can mean anything tuso's five three sheila team is six foot 
like, but they're both badass, you know? So that was, that was the beauty of what we were putting together as well. I'm excited for it. I, and, and the response uh, has been, I'm sure, because I'm reading the comments, even on social media, I said the response is, well, when is it? Today? Tomorrow? When can we watch? Because that's, when you released the trailer, how did you feel? When you dropped the trailer, you were like, let me just press send and see how people respond. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time in my career that I love the first trailer that they put together. I mean, I had a couple notes here or there, but I got addicted to it. And especially, it was like a perfect combination of that song and the images. And when Beyonce's voice hits and the beat drops, like, it does something to you. Like, you get hyped. And then I show Viola, and Viola went nuts. That was amazing. And the actors, like, they said they got addicted to it. And so I felt like if I'm feeling this way, let's put it out. But you still never know. Like, you can have a thought, a hope, but you never know. And the reaction to it um, was incredibly beautiful because mm-hmm. it felt like we've been starving and didn't know it. And no, Correct. Oh, that's a beautiful, oh, that's a beautiful way to describe it. That's a beautiful way to describe it. We've been starving and we didn't know it. I've never seen anything like that. I there we saw it in Black Panther hints of it in the Dora Milaje and we would call like I have a group chat, you know, named that after that, Probably. right? Like yeah, we do. Like we're just like we ready. We were starving and we didn't know it. And the and I don't know if you, which I'm sure you're keenly aware of, but your calling really amplifies our message and who we are. And you celebrate us in spite of a world that often tells us we should not be celebrated. Um, you mentioned Serena and Beyonce, obviously the greatest. Watching Serena play in what we thought would have been her last match, she didn't realize. That how loved she was for her to walk into in a, into that stadium where she has had so much trouble as we well know right i'm threatening you with the ball um you're calling me a liar uh, it, it, it came full circle to see so i mean that crowd truly willed her to win and she felt all of this love and she felt celebrated and for us as black women we are starving we are thirsty for that yeah. It's so hard to find it. It is so hard to find it. And um, and so we find it in each other, you know. And right now it's, it's, I wish I was there. I wish I could have felt that. Cause okay. You, you fly out on Wednesday. I mean, you got a movie to do, but maybe <laughs> in between the movie. <laughs> no, but I, I wouldn't doubt it, Gina, if, if the Serena, the Serena story, the biopic, you are directing that. So I, there is time. I, you, we will feel it again, right? <laughs> there is time. Um, you know, my I, things I, have, I, I have like sports memorabilia. I have a ball. I, I went to see Serena play years ago. And uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the match, she signed the ball and she, you know, hit it into the air into the stands. It was like all my athletic ability was for a purpose because I did this amazing like stretch over reach one handed grab of the ball. I think I took it from a kid, and at that moment, I didn't care. <laughs> it's Serena, and now I have a ball signed by Serena. Hey, it, he look, it was his fault. Look, it was, let me tell you something every man for himself, every one man for himself. Sorry, sorry, five year old, get your own ball. Uh, you have more life. Um, how are we feeling about the project overall? Um, I love watching it. There's incredible anxiety where 
I love the film and I hope that the world loves it. It's like putting your child into the world to be on their own and you can't protect it anymore. The actors, the calls and texts that I've just gotten is everything that I hoped. They went through an incredible journey that was really tough, absolutely beautiful, but really tough. And I just wanted them to be proud of the work and know that everything they put in was worth it. And based on what I'm seeing, they, they feel it was worth it. Where do you get your fight? Where do you get your, your tenacity and your, in your relentless pursuit of greatness? Um, certainly sports and everything that teaches you. Uh, a bit of rage, certainly to prove, uh, to prove a large swath of people wrong. Is rage is rage underrated in the sense that it's useful? Like it is useful, right? It is useful. I used to say, and pretty recently, that it's unhealthy. But I'm I'm gonna stop saying that. It's what drives me, and that's okay. We all have a thing, and and it's it's that's my thing, and it makes me work harder. If it if it manifests itself in destructive ways, that's something different. But it pushes me. Absolutely. So I'm going to say that it's a positive. What is the rage you talk of? It is, is it in your belly? Is it when you see unjust things in the world? Is it is it you're tired of being overlooked in your space? What is the rage? Uh, the rage comes from a childhood of being invisible and dismissed and disparaged. Uh, yeah, just growing up in the environment that I did and being told that I was less than. And you turn that into something for good. Yes. I, um, you know, I, you hope it's clear, right? As from what I can see, at least from what I can see, I, I, I'm excited about the woman King. I read that you're not doing the old guard too, because you have other projects, I guess, other commitments. Is that, is that, is that accurate? Is that it? We're shooting it now. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I know I, that. Yeah. And I just shot the woman King. So yeah. And I, like with sequels is an interesting thing for me when I go into a film, it's because I have something to say or a story to tell. And once I do that, I don't feel like, Oh, I got to keep telling the story, you know? And when I got the woman King script, it was like, Oh no, this is what I have to do. So that was, that was an easy call. Well, I'm glad that you were able to see uh, the, the fruits of your labor in the sense that people know who you are and you are beyond worthy, excellent among excellent. I'm sure you're better than most of your male contemporaries in some aspect. And I'm referring to like white male contemporaries because we can always do their job better than them. <laughs> I am so happy that you, because it's hard for us when you're in it, can see it. You have this wonderful project with the woman King and I, I think it's going to be special. I don't know what happens for you after it. I don't know if it, you you can pick and choose. I don't know if you tell different versions of the story. I don't know what comes next, but doesn't it feel special? Like, don't you feel that it feels special? On this one, yes. The reaction of who have seen it has been what you dream of as a mm -hmm. filmmaker or an artist, to have your work move somebody to that degree. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think this. And one you're measured. I I I hear you being measured. I get it. You know, you're just like, and I'm the same way when it comes to my projects. I'm like, well, that's just okay. Like, you know, we always have to be measured. I understand it. it's the nature of the business. Um, if someone's, and I'll let you go with this. 
I have a lot of uh, people listening who want to be Gina or who are in the pursuit of having a career like yours. Talk to me about what advice, because that's such a cliche thing to ask, but you often get heard, what, what should I be doing? Like, it's not like go to this school, go to that school, but what is the, the foundation that needs to be created if they want to be a successful director in this business? Mm-hmm. For me, it's absolutely doing projects that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I learned that very early um, when I almost took on something to get in the door as opposed to doing it because I cared about it. This industry is too hard, too hard. You're going to get a thousand no's. And the only thing that keeps you going is if you're doing it for a reason, that there's a a reason for you to tell this story, that you're the only person that could tell this story, that you're more passionate about this story, that you have a cause bigger than yourself. Like me and my work is not just about me. It's like I'm driven to put, us up on the big screen and that fuels the fight i mean my husband just the other day when i was having a a fight with the studio about the woman king and he's like this you're not just alone in a room against them you've got you've got all of us you've got the ancestors behind you um that's a powerful thing to to keep with you and so just living in that type of space because again, this is really hard. You need stamina. You've got to have fight and you have to have passion to, to fuel it. So, and then do the work. Like It's not enough to talk about it. When people come up and say, oh, you know, I have this idea. Everybody has ideas. Can you execute it? You know, come to me with a script. Um, do the work because that's what I had to do. Um, John Singleton. <laughs> I'll never forget. Um, I was writing Love and Basketball. Boys in the Hood came out, obviously, was everything. everything. And he was speaking on a panel, and I went because I wanted to meet him, and I wanted him to help me get Love and Basketball made. And I waited literally half hour as he was just surrounded. And finally, I got my one little shot. And I'm hella shy. So for me to even, like, get the courage to go up to him was a big thing. And I finally got my little pocket of, of 10 seconds and, you know, said, I have this, this script I'm writing, Love and Basketball, and I really, you know, how could you help me? And he was like, I, I can't help you. I'm trying to help myself. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, sounds like crazy, but it's absolutely true. Like, he's still trying to get his stuff off. What can he do? I, I don't, I'm not handing him a script. I'm not, what can he do? So I was like, oh, damn, at first. And then, I was like, okay, well then let me go back home and keep doing the work and write this damn script and and do what I can to get it out there. So work. I and I and I'm glad that you said that because trust me, how many times when someone hands you a project and say, Can can you read this? What's your normal response? How do you handle that? The absolute truth is I actually can't because gosh forbid I have an idea that's even close to similar. If I read oh. it, I'm screwed. Because then you're going to accuse me of stealing your idea. Um, and that happens a lot in this industry. So it's, it's really a, a legal thing. Um, and two, like as soon as this movie's over, I'm writing my next one, you know. Um, and so it is, I already have like my next two movies lined up. And I don't want people to take offense. I just, 
don't have time. If I know you, I'm going to read your script. If I don't know you, it's hard just because of time uh, to get me to sit down. But every once in a while I do it and there's nothing better than discovering a new voice, mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. So, and then you get excited because I now have the power to help. So um, every once in a while someone slips through the cracks and, and, and gets there. Without, it's meant to be. Then it's meant to be when that happens, right? Yeah. yeah. Jeannie, you are um, everything. Uh, you really, really are. And you mentioned being shy. I, I don't necessarily sense shy, but I sense this this humility that you have, which I think is so rare for the projects that you've done. This business can really fool people and inflate their egos and make them think. But there is a such a sense of, like I said, measuredness about you. I'll make up that word. And it's, and it's refreshing and it's also encouraging. Um because everyone needs to remind themselves of why we're doing it. And, and your husband's like, your ancestors are with you. This is where they like, yes, absolutely. They are with us in every, in every single way, in everything that we do, in every room that we're in, um, we're not alone. And that is always encouraging for me. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on Naked. I appreciate you. Um, a clap. Tell them for up. <laughs> Go to baseball game. I'm gonna watch your. I'm gonna watch your son. This real hood. This my real hood. L.A. self. <laughs> where'd you? Um, where'd you grow? Grow? Grow up in L.A. Like more specifically. Oh, I didn't grow up in L.A. I grew up up north. Oh, you grew up up north. You were in California, right? Because you grew up in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then you came to UCLA. Like, here's what's interesting about the people from the Bay. You guys are. It's not, is it fair to say Bay? Because you're not Bay. If my, is no, Monterey Bay, Bay. No, Monterey. It is a Bay, but it's not a Bay that anybody wants <laughs> <laughs> it's not accurately bad. okay all right i keep i heard hell i don't think wait a second do i hear some babe there okay <laughs> woman king is in theater so you guys have to support gina she truly is special like she's just set apart she said she would do most projects if not all of the projects that she's done for free that means everything is done with passion it's done with love and you can hear it you can see it uh, I'm a huge fan of her work, but now an even bigger fan that I've had the opportunity to sit and talk with her. Uh, she said a couple of things that I always, I, I just think for takeaways. Takeaways are important. She said that she tries to create harmony on her set. It is her job to make sure that everyone believes in the vision and believes in the dream. And that is how she's able to lead and create. Um, she is down to the detail. The devil oftentimes is considered to be in the details. And she believes in every single thing that she's doing. And for me, that is encouraging. It's also sobering. I can't say that, I mean, if I'm honest with you guys, I can't say that everything that I work on is not necessarily related to money. I think oftentimes money determines how people value you, which is why people want to be paid. But at the end of the day, if you are a creative, if you are an artist and you have a platform Maybe money isn't always important. Not if you're dedicated to a vision and telling a story. And she is a beautiful storyteller. I'm grateful that she graced us with her presence today. Um, And I hope you all are inspired. I'll talk to you all next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 
21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.